0: Welcome to another episode of Context with Advanced Design. My name is Hector Silva, and today we have the pleasure of having on our platform, Senior Industrial Designer, Jonathan Kim. Jonathan, thank you so much for being here with us. A little bit about Jonathan. Uh, He was born and raised in Northern Virginia, DC DC area. Um, He's an East Coast creative, uh, looking to make lasting, meaningful products and experiences. Um, currently he is based out of Toronto, uh, our neighbors to the North after five years of working in San Francisco as a core part of Frog's industrial design team. He moved to Canada in early 2020 to pursue a new adventure with the e-commerce powerhouse Shopify. So Jonathan, thank you so much again for being a part of context. We really appreciate you.
1: Yeah, really happy to be here. Thanks, Hector.
0: Yeah, so let's kind of get started with uh, a little bit about you. And, uh, you know, I've known you for quite some time now. And uh, you yeah. are a graduate of Virginia Tech, right? I feel like uh, I'm just going to say it, it's a pretty good ID program there, but that's looking someone from the outside so i would love to hear your experience going through virginia tech and how the heck did you even find mm. industrial design
1: oh man it's a great question um i i feel like i can't talk about my story without referencing my background and my family a little bit if that's cool please so do. yeah so uh, my grandfather, actually, uh, on my dad's side, he, he uh, escaped from North Korea after the war. He uh, lied about his age in South Korea to provide for his family, and um, he basically worked his way up to own a, a soft goods and uh, a leather factory that made tailored suits and bags for uh, an American military base I was close by. So I learned about this in, as an adult, right, mm-hmm. and it's it's been kind of cool to draw that thread of oh, you know, there's there's this, you know, tradition of kind of making in my family, and basically from there, uh, my grandfather emigrated uh, with his family to the U.S., where he ended up buying an upholstery company, and um, my dad ended up inheriting that company, right. And I was born in Northern Virginia, DC area, like you said. And uh yeah, and so my dad still owns this upholstery business for over 30 years now, right? So I, I I've kind of grown up in this shop environment around all these old tools. It's it's kind of funny though, because I was never proud of what my parents did. Because, you know, when you're a kid, it's not very appealing to tell your friends that your parents fix broken furniture right it's it's not very cool but i had a moment after going to design school coming back for a, a spring break or something and walking into my dad's shop with a new set of eyes after you know learning about design and being like holy shit this is actually super cool so that's a little bit i i you know coming from an immigrant family i'm i'm going through this process of uh just taking a deeper look at where I come from and my heritage, and I, it, it influences a lot of you know, where I am today. Right? So I, I feel like I have to mention that. Um, in terms of how I found industrial design, like many, many designer industrial designers, I had no idea what industrial design was going into, um, into university. So uh, I've always been a creative person. And being the oldest child, I went to Virginia Tech, just undecided major, assuming that I'd find something, because there are tons of majors out there, assuming I'd find something. And once I got there, I, I kind of had this realization that, oh, well, this is a very engineering-heavy school, right? And uh, I, I'm not necessarily gifted in you know, math, the maths and sciences. Uh, So I, there was a moment where I was actually considering transferring to an art school. So my freshman year, uh, I, thankfully I stumbled across the architecture building, the program. And in the, on the bottom floor is where the industrial design studio was. And I remember walking through that space, you know, you know, models, sketches everywhere. And immediately I knew that's where I wanted to be. And so there's this process at Virginia Tech where you do an internal transfer, but the internal transfer spots are very, very limited. So when I tried to do that internal transfer into the ID program my freshman year, I actually got rejected. And this was a, a, a really pivotal moment for me because I had some friends who also applied. And you know once that rejection came in, they're like, okay, I guess that's not going to work out. What, what other major can I do? But for me, I, there's something about ID that I just knew that's where I needed to be. So in that moment, uh, when I got that rejection, I had to wait another year to apply. And I was like, you know what? I really want to be here. So I spent the next year kind of just sitting in studio, bugging the professors, sitting in on sketching classes, you know, trying to learn as much as I could so that by the time I came in the following year for my interview, uh, Ed Dorsa, the program chair at the time, he, he knew who I was and he was like, all right, I, I, I get it. I walked in with a stack of sketches. It's like, I get it, you're in the program. And that's how I kind of got into ID. Um, and the reason I say it, you know, it was really pivotal for me to get rejected that first time is it put me in this mentality really early on that I want to be here. And that really set the tone for how I approached the rest of my schooling. Um,
0: yeah. So let's go back a couple of steps. Um because <laughs> yeah. you you can't you can't just drop this this very juicy uh family history and, and then and <laughs> when we don't talk about it. Um, so your grandparents, um, you were talking about how they left North mm-hmm. Korea. Um, I mean, essentially he, he really did risk his life for a beautiful, a better future, and mm-hmm. now you are, you're that success, right? Um, how, how important is, is how important is it to you to know this part of your family, your, this history, you said that you didn't find out until you were like an adult.
1: Um, yeah, I so important, right? It, it more important the older I get mm. because just, you know, the more context you have as you get older about life, um, I just have more appreciation for that struggle, mm. right? And, and right now there's a lot of conversation around uh, the immigrant story, right? What it means to be a minority. And of course that is helping fuel my curiosity about where I come from and uh, everyone else's stories. So yeah, it has a huge role and it, yeah, it, it's it's fuel, right? It's fuel for, you know, he, they went, my parents, my grandparents, they went through some really tough shit for me to get to where I am today. Okay. And so yeah, I, I, I only have appreciation and love and thanks
0: for that i I think it's um i think as you get older you also start to really realize how these stories are part of our identity now um Mm -hmm. especially in our industry of industrial design where everything that we do uh the history of industrial design everything that we learn in school is all very eurocentric and then you have designers like us who listen to this information and then you know um we have like this identity crisis you you know because i remember when i was post-graduation i was like there has to be mexican designers like they have to like there has to be mexican designers who have their own principles of design, kind of like Theater Rams. Why are we all only talking about Dieter Rams? There has to be like, you know, African designers or Asian designers. And I always had this identity crisis like, you know, maybe our industry is so new and so small that it all came from Europe. And, you know, obviously okay. social media and everything kind of blew up and the internet, you know became, we had access to it in our fingertips through phones and you were able to just get information left and right, started to realize that, um, you know, our school just feeds us this information and they don't open it up for the rest of the world, even though mm-hmm. our whole industry is on a global mar- on a global scale. Um, and, uh, I, I think I can relate to you when you talk about your, your, you know, your parents, um, business. And, and then that being, pa- that, that being passed down to your, your, your parents from your grandparents. Um, because I think when we're kids and we're teenagers, um, we're, we, and I'm just talking about myself now. I, I think mm-hmm. I, I had a little shame and with, with, what my parents did, they were, mm-hmm. they immigrated here and I had no contacts. I was immature. I, I just didn't know. And I just wanted to be cool. And I wanted my parents to have, cool jobs like my friends like of course you know of course like having um you know when your parents go and they share to the classroom what they do as a career like my parents didn't have a career they worked in factories and they did what they had to do to give us a better life and i don't think we appreciate that until you're older and you're just like Mm. why 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 was I such an asshole? Like, why? You know, now now you appreciate that. Of course, they, they were doing everything that they could to allow us to live this American dream, right? That, that they right. have. Um, but it's really awesome that you, yeah. that your parents are, you know, had this business that actually comes really close and kind of hand in hand with what industrial design is to some extent.
1: Right, right. Actually, to go back real quick on that that feeling of being embarrassed or shame or anything around that I in retrospect we can say that but you know I think that feeling is inevitable for us who we're in we're the first generation I'm assuming that you were were you born Mm -hmm. okay that this first generation um our generation we're we're finding where we fit here right Mm -hmm. like our parents came from a different culture right and they have their own story and their struggle. But for us, we, we also had to kind of find where we fit in and that feeling of shame, yes, looking back on it, I, it breaks my heart to think about that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it all adds to how we got to this conversation that we're having right now, right? Um, so yeah, I just, I just wanted to add that in there. And yeah, the, the upholstery thing, I didn't realize it early on, but there's definitely a tie um, in in terms of craft, you know, physicality, furniture even. Right. So um, it's something that, again, I appreciated later on in life.
0: So you went to Virginia Tech um, Mm -hmm. question about Virginia Tech, because you went to school there. Yeah. um, After Mm -hmm. kind of the events of the Virginia Tech shootings. Mm, yes, so did those events ever pop in your head and said and and you ever kind of question yourself like I should go to school here or maybe I shouldn't um
1: so that happened before I went
0: right. to tech,
1: and it didn't influence my decision um of if I went to go there or not uh, to be honest, I was young, and those you know shootings were not very common and it just Mm. wasn't in our in my mind the way it is today right yeah so but that event was you know present while like every every year there's a anniversary and you can feel this quiet over the campus you know because Mm. of that and there there was that but i in terms of experiencing it firsthand i was pretty removed from it so
0: Mm. so yeah Mm-hmm. yeah i was just wondering kind of how that process is um as far as students feeling comfortable going to that school and and honestly mm-hmm. because of how insane things are here in the united states um you know it, it it's just it's it's um i just remember being in school it was my junior year and i was sitting down yeah getting coffee And I just remember when those events happened um and how my school went into lockdown and it was just pretty bad so um you know I just can't imagine post events what happens to students who still want to go there and things like that I'm I'm sure the Mm. school school had trouble kind of recruiting and things like that right um but you went through the Virginia Tech program. You actually uh did some amazing work there, won some awards, got recognition. Um, you know, during your time there, you you interned at different places. Um, and eventually, you know, uh come August twenty fifteen, um, you landed an internship in the Bay Area. Yes. And that must have been really cool because Bay Area is one of the most competitive design markets in the world. So tell us a little bit about what you were going through. Were you striving Mm -hmm. to work, to move to the Bay? Um, Were you kind of applying everywhere? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: um, Let's see here. I definitely knew I wanted to be in the Bay Area as a student. I, it just somehow got cemented in my mind that that's where things were happening right? Um, in terms of where I wanted to work, you know, coming from the East Coast and being at Virginia Tech, which is actually quite removed from, you know, what you think of when you think of industrial design centers like Chicago, New York, Bay Area, right? I just didn't have the context of what like, I heard about some of these firms in the Bay Area, but I didn't know other than what I could learn from their website, which was actually not that much information, I, I just didn't know. So my dream as a student was to work for Frog because like we learn about them, they've had a long history, been around since 1969. So in my mind, just as a student, the super naive doesn't have any real context in the industry, it was like, okay, that's my benchmark. Um, and I, got very lucky to get an internship there. So basically what happened was the summer after I graduated, I spent that whole summer um, interviewing and applying to as many places as I could. Ultimately I ended up interviewing maybe like nine to 10 places. And uh, coming out of that summer, I had an offer. So the frog internship interview was my last interview that I did after like the nine previous and I was pretty burnt out by then wow. and I had practiced my spiel so many times and what happened was the I I forget where I interviewed but the one right before Frog I regretted not I was very um how do I say this uh like I I was following it, it a very strict structure in how I told my story but there were some things that were, I was doing outside of ID. I was I was experimenting with um, animation just a little bit, just for fun, not related to ID. And I didn't share that in my interview previous to the frog one and I kind of kicked myself. I'm like, ah, oh, it's like I had fun doing that. Why didn't I share that? So in the frog one, I went into that interview thinking, you know what, there's very little chance I'm gonna get this anyway, let's just have fun with it. Did my interview and at the end I showed like, you know what, uh, actually I have one little thing. I have an animation of this guy walking. I just learned this program of the summer just wanted to show it and it got a laugh out of the team. <laughs> and uh yeah, so coming out of the summer I I had two offers. I had an I had a junior designer position open um uh, offer in New York and then I had an internship offer at Frog. Uh-huh. So for me it was like a fuck it kind of moment, right? Uh-huh. It's like you know, I grew up on the East Coast. I want to go to the West Coast even though it's an internship and it's Frog. So I had never been to San Francisco in my life before I moved out to to SF that summer for for Frog. Um, I moved out with two suitcases and uh, it just kind of went from there.
0: So you doing that uh, kind of experimental work that animation that you're talking about and showing it to the Frog team, what does that tell you um, about being in an interview and sharing additional things?
1: I think you have to be strategic about it, right? Mm -hmm. So at this point in my career, I've been on both sides of the interview process. I've seen many interviews um, of of students and I've been the interviewee, right? So it's important to show work that is not just ID, in my opinion, but it can't, it has to be a supplement to already good work. and yet I, I'd say you have to be strategic about it because you know, some people come in and they're like, yeah, I like to do photography, for example, which I also like to do. But if they're showing me their photos in an ID interview, right? And that's taking up most of the time, then th- there's an Im- imbalance there, right? Yeah. So, but there is a strategic way to weave that story in to your, your interview, right? So I, I, think, I think it's a balancing act.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be like, "Here's my portfolio," and then at the end be like, "Oh, I do oil paintings too," and then mm-hmm. you know that it, it, you kind of derail. Um, right. Yeah, I think it's important. I think you bring up a really good point here. As uh, students need to be very strategic on how they fit it into their story and into the picture of the overall interview, um, because mm-hmm. I have been at in interviews where students throw in paintings and life you know, uh, drawings and you're just like, Mm -hmm. you know, you really had good work and you kind of derailed here a little bit, but, um,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when you were in the Bay area, um, I mean, totally different world. You have Bay area full of design culture. Mm -hmm. Um, and then down the street you have Silicon Valley. Tell us a little bit about like, Were you excited? Were you nervous? I know recently, about a couple weeks ago, you were part of a panel where you talked about imposter syndrome. I'd love Mm. to hear a young Jonathan, like, what was going through your mind? Oh, man.
1: Uh, I was definitely excited. I'm definitely the type of person who just, like I said, fuck it, let's go for it. So I I went in super excited. Um, But I was young, right? I was... I Was what twenty three years old when I started. So, um, the imposter syndrome thing was very real, right? Because when I joined the Frog um, Industrial Design Mechanical Engineering team, it was over ten people, and being the newest and youngest member is very, very intimidating. Um, and I, you know, I'm sure this is the case across the industry. I, I can't have just been me. Um, but that, I, a lot of conflicting energies, right? Uh, right. So I, I was excited. I was ready to, you know, I was hungry, ready to go at it. But also, this kind of like paralysis and crippling sense of, oh my God, do I deserve to be here? Am I good enough? You know? Uh, and those, those questions are really important. Uh, it's why I was excited for that panel around imposter syndrome, because I don't think we talk about it enough in the, in the ID world. Um, Yeah, this is a whole topic. We could talk about this for hours, honestly. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, Um, And the funny thing is I remember um, I was out in the Bay Area and you and I linked up and you brought me to the old frog studio before they moved. Mm. And I remember walking into that studio. You took me to this wall and the Mm. wall was filled with signatures of Mm. past frog alumni. You had some like great people that walked through those halls of frog. Um, so you're talking about imposter syndrome and then you look at this wall and you're like, what the heck, you know, like you have Yves Bahari to work here. You have, you know, all of these greats that came yeah. before me. Um, I mean, it, it's a, it's a, I think it's, it's a good wake up call and really good for motivation. Um, but I, I also sometimes, you know, I think we all have imposter syndrome. I think it's, it's a, very human of us to to experience that um but then it it should also be like okay you know snap out of it and let's get to work um yeah because i think if you dwell in that that can that's what can be the setback with imposter syndrome but Mm -hmm. um i thought that was very fascinating you were at frog you interned there and then you got hired Mm full-time then for a couple years you were you know full-time designer and then a couple years Mm -hmm. later you were um hired as industrial designer two at Frog mm-hmm. and now you are a senior industrial designer at Shopify um, what hmm. does it mean when you move up and you get promoted do you feel anything different besides I don't know the obvious maybe you get like raises and things like that but do you as a designer feel like oh I've grown two years later I'm more mature do you really feel that or is it just Business as usual.
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say, yeah, you you do feel it because by the time you do get promoted, it's not it doesn't just happen out of nowhere, right? The, these are discussions that happen with your manager, and you're building up to it because you're talk you're having these conversations about what can I be doing to be leveling up, right? Um, so when it does happen you know, every time something like that happens, I, I reflect on where I was, you know, two years ago or however many years ago. And, you know, of course there's hundred percent, of course there's growth. Um, but yeah, I, I was at frog for almost five years. It, yeah, it, it was, it's, I don't think it's that common these days to be at one place for that long. Um, and so there was a lot that I learned there about consulting. Um, I think Frog is unique in. I, I got client exposure even as an intern, um, working with different disciplines, working with strategists, you know, visual designers. Uh, there's a lot of that, and yeah, I learned a ton at Frog. Um, I, I came out of it a, a really a better consultant, a better person, better designer, for sure.
0: So now you're at Shopify, and I know Shopify is building you know, mm-hmm. hardware now, right? When yeah. you think of Shopify, you think of e-commerce and you think of this right. big online uh, company. Um, but now they're jumping into hardware, which is the reason why they, a couple of years ago, they started building their industrial design team. Um, mm. So are you, I mean, it's been about, you know, a year and a half now coming up in a couple of months. Are you excited to be working at Shopify? And in Toronto and a complete opposite, right? So you went back to the East coast and then now you're in Canada. And then, so what is life like, you know, Shopify?
1: Um, So the reason I wanted to come, okay. So coming out of frog, like I said, had my consultancy experience, but one thing I felt like I was missing in, uh, in my industrial designer knowledge is I think in my experience, at least, consulting—you—you you get a project, you work on a, a wide range of industries, right? Um, but ultimately, you hand off the project to your client at a certain point, hmm. and it's—it's it's not too too often that you get to go all the way to the end, where you're on the ma- where you're traveling to China on on the manufacturing floor and things like that. At least in my experience, that I wasn't getting enough of that. Um, even though I didn't have ID projects at Frog. So the reason I wanted to go in-house next is is exactly for that reason. I wanted to experience the full product development process. I wanted to go deep on one project from early ideas all the way into MP, mass production. Um, And so that's kind of where my search, that's the framework that I had when I started looking for jobs and I actually have all, I was kind of ready to get out of the Bay Area at the time too. So I reached out to Silvana, who we both know, and she has worked in Europe, right? And I've known Silvana since um, school times. And uh, I asked her what her experience was like working in Europe and just working abroad in general. And then um, knowing that, she reached out to me a month or two later being like, hey, are you still looking for a job? We're actually looking for uh, an industrial designer to join our team at Shopify. And I, to be quite honest with you, I knew, so, I knew so little about Shopify and Toronto had never even crossed my mind, um, you know, to, to move, mm. but I was like, sure, sure. Why not? And I started talking with the team and, uh, amazing team, amazing mission and product and Long story short, basically, um, I flew for my final interview to Toronto for the first time in my life, kind of this theme where I, I had never been, um, and I got the offer and I decided to go for it. And yeah, there's this, what I'm excited about for Shopify is it's a it's a young team, right? In that I'm the fourth industrial designer to join uh, this team. And wow. there is a lot of energy around that, right? There's, you know the way it was kind of pitched to me is like, you can help define what hardware looks like here. And I was like, that's really exciting. And I've worked in the retail space um, on some frog projects as well. So I know the retail space is, is very exciting as well. So that's kind of the thinking that I had moving here, um, which was right before, <laughs> right before the pandemic, uh, I moved here February of 2020. So that's a whole other story because we could talk about yeah. mm-hmm.
0: That's awesome. So then you start a new job, you move to a new place. Um, you're an international designer. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say that when we are interviewing like Canadians or uh, people in so Mexico. <laughs> yeah. um, and it all happened prior to COVID. Um, mm-hmm. And then COVID kind of just disrupted our flow. Uh, you know, you had just gotten a new job. Did that, was that kind of weird for you? Like what happened? Like everyone just started working from home. Um, and are you still working from home or are you transitioning to office yet? How's that going?
1: Yeah, so it was very, very weird, very difficult. So I was in office physically for about a month. Two of those weeks was onboarding. So I was with the team physically for about two weeks and then we had to transition to work from home which was, yeah, 2020 was mm. tough because um, like I said, I moved here knowing nobody. And, like I just kind of went for it, like I said, and um, a big source of community in the past for me has been work, right? Mm. So transitioning to a remote in a new city and a new job was challenging for sure. Um, and to your other question, yeah, still working from home, and actually, we're working from home is going to be our default moving forward. We're not going back to offices at Shopify, wow. so yeah, that that's a that was an announcement that was made um, last year, mid last year. is just a commitment to this is the future, and we're going to do this. So it's actually sparked some really interesting conversations on our. ID team about, okay, what does this mean? What does it mean to be a modern industrial design team? How can we make this work? And it's been really great to see the ways we've adapted to work from home. Um, Because in the beginning, everyone's gut response, uh, if you talk to an industrial designer is, you work with physical things, you work with hardware, how can you, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense. And there was a lot of that in the beginning too, in our discussions, but a year and a half, a year into it, it's we're, we're making it work. We're actually doing quite well.
0: So what's the, what is the secret sauce behind that? Because you look at really big companies um, mm. like, you know, Amazon and Samsung and Apple and Microsoft, and they're still on schedule to release their products. And they're also working from home and you're scratching your head. Like how did the, how did the COVID not disrupt their product launches? Like what are they doing at home and how is it working? What is the secret sauce?
1: I don't know. I don't know if I have a magic bullet secret sauce for you, but for example, we all got um, 3d printers. Everyone on the Mm. team has 3d printers so we can mock things up. We've really streamlined the way that we ship models to each other. So we made it really easy that w- when we get samples or uh, parents' models or material samples from our vendors, um, we have this whole system of being able to easily ship things to each other. So that's really helped as well. Wow. And then, um, I mean, the tools, are our communication tools have gotten so much better since COVID too, right? Mm-hmm. Zoom, Google Meet, all of these tools pre-pandemic, they worked, but the pandemic accelerated the need to make these tools better so you know there's definitely a learning curve right doing everything remotely is it's hard it's it's not a walk in the park and there are some sacrifices with the pandemic around traveling to China obviously we couldn't do that in the past year and we would have done that you know we've mm-hmm. probably would have made a, a few Asia trips by now um, but we've been able to make it work. What I'm excited about, what I'm excited to see is what this work from home culture will be like post pandemic. Mm -hmm. Because if we're gonna stay this way, we've been working in the worst version of work from home, right? But when things open up and I can go meet my teammates in a cafe or something, and we can travel together to China for these trips, I think it'll feel different. And I think when we think about work from home right now, we think about it in the context of COVID, but that's not always going to be the case, so
0: so yeah yeah it it's it's very interesting um I think, like you said, I think we're all kind of learning and you know I think it's a lot of companies are starting to realize that hey, this is possible, you can work from home successfully, you can do education online successfully doesn't mm-hmm. have to be in person um and I'm wondering um. You know what? What is the future of industrial design? Um, now that we're we went through this like pandemic mm-hmm. and leaving the pandemic, is that going to change what the future is? Are we going to be able to be more mobile, more accessible now than ever because we're now really connected? Um, like you said, Zoom and Google Meet and Skype or oh, poor Skype, you know, like <laughs> they existed, but it accelerated like the the features and and the ui everything just became a hundred times better because of necessity right. um so it's very interesting kind of industrial design in our industry and how we're kind of working from home now my question is because we're working from home mm-hmm. you know that nine to five gets kind of blurry right like yes. you're not like all right i'm gonna work from nine to five because sometimes you're just working and you're just doing your mm-hmm. thing and you're not really so as a, as a designer who's working from home how do you keep boundaries from mm-hmm. home life to work life
1: um, I struggled with this a lot last year because there was a lot of uh, guilt when you're when you feel like you're not getting enough done or like when you're off work but there's work that needs to be done and your desk is right there you know there's (laughs) it's it's quite complicated but a year into it i think it's i've gotten quite used to it Mm -hmm. and that's in part because my team has been so supportive especially my manager he's always constantly reminding us you know if you need the time take the time this is not an easy just time period for anybody So if you need to take an hour to take a walk, read a book, do that, right? Because ultimately you're going to be better for it as a person, designer, healthier mental health wise. And I've over time have hearing that is one thing. And, but like putting that into action is another, and it's taken me a long time to feel okay to step away even during the day and go for a walk. Right.
0: Uh
1: Um, So the line is blurred for sure, but I think it'll, it puts more pressure on the designer to kind of figure out what that means. I think it looks different for everybody, which is why it's a complex answer. Like, not Mm. one thing that works for me, isn't going to work for you necessarily. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, um, it's a very good answer. You know, one thing that I've learned in this past year is, do not have your desk near your bed (laughs) a lot of because that can be that's a bad equation um yeah you're like all right i'm just gonna sit in my bed and then you end up napping for three hours and you're like dang i just messed up um
1: but yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm laughing because i i can relate to that so hard (laughs) yeah oh damn i messed up oh Uh, what happened
0: yeah yeah.
1: um again yeah
0: Let's kind of shift conversation as we start to wrap up this this uh, this interview here and shift it towards towards kind of going back to identity and going back to how we started this conversation with family. Um, Do your parents know like what you do and and as an industrial designer, do you ever try to explain to them like, hey, I do this, I do that?
1: Um, I think they know. By now I think they know I, I, I mean obviously not all the nuances of what we what our day-to-day looks like yeah. but to the extent that I've been able to explain like this is a physical product I work on things like this you know um, which is a I mean it's a shared struggle that we all have right explaining to friends family what we do
0: yeah.
1: because you know that the, that like it's a very unique job that we have yeah. so uh yeah for the most part i think i think they know what i do <laughs>
0: um are you so you mm. said you were first generation yeah uh, are your parents proud of you um, mm. or do they show that they're proud of you through tough love Mm. So I've
1: been very, very fortunate in that my parents, um, have been supportive of what I've, uh, the path that I've chosen to pursue. And, um, I think my mom, especially pressed me earlier on when I was undecided, I wasn't sure what to do. That's when a lot of pressure came for pursuing academics, for example, and her, her, her Her mentality which makes sense to me is look you don't know what you want to do yet so why not just put your best effort into school and like get the best grades that you can so you can best prepare for when you when you do figure out what you want to do um but i think once i discovered design i there's something i i think my parents just kind of could tell how into it i was i was not i was not kidding around i was like i would not shut up about it you know and something about that again i'm very fortunate that they were supportive in in me pursuing a a creative career
0: gotcha yeah Yeah, i I think to this day my parents don't know what i do i think they know that i have a job they know that i'm employed they know that i teach but they don't know what i teach and like you Mm. said it is it is really hard to tell them um especially like you know like i'm mexican so spanish i think when you're talking about industrial design that lingo only translates like 10% yeah. and you're like mm-hmm. how do i explain this so that they understand it um but yeah i know i know that they i'm sure your parents the same way like they support you no so, matter what
1: so let me ask you how, how do you how do you explain it to them if i if i were your parents so like well, if they were yeah. like hector yeah. Tell me again what you, what you do. What, what would you tell them right now?
0: <laughs> so I, I keep it pretty general. I say yeah. I I I am an educator in design, and and I mm-hmm. talk to, I talk to them about design. I don't I don't really dive into industrial design. I do mm-hmm. have I've done like you said where I I bring up objects and I'm like, look, everything that we use and you use um, is designed by someone like myself, um, and that's probably to the extent of it. Um, but I, I keep it pretty generic. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they understand it. They, they show support. Um, honestly, I, I could be running a pyramid scheme out of my apartment and, and, <laughs> and they would be so proud as long as I was successful, mm-hmm. you know, because to them, um, to them, I'm, they, you know, and I, I can, I feel like this is a majority of a lot of parents mm-hmm. that immigrated here. Um, they came here for a better life. My parents didn't go to high school; they went to grade school, and I surpassed that, you know, four, or five times over. And to them, they already see that as a huge success. And I'm mm-hmm. one. I'm one of. I have a pretty big family. I'm one of six kids, so my other siblings also have achieved, you know, in their careers. So my parents, in their eyes, they're like. You know, this is exactly why we came here to give you guys opportunities. So, um, like I said, I could probably be running a pyramid scheme out of my apartment and they would be like, (laughs) that's great. As long as you're able to take care of yourself, as long as you're able to pay your bills, you know, stuff like Mm. that. So, um, I mean, but
1: you've built, I was going to say this at the beginning, but like, it's been a pleasure to see how you've built advanced design over the years Uh, like like we said at the beginning of the call we've Mm -hmm. known each other since maybe like even before i i think we found each other on instagram when i was in when i was still in school even Mm -hmm. maybe 2014 2015 early ig industrial design days and days yeah but speaking of success and all that like it's been super badass to see what you've built yeah and I, i was telling somebody recently who's pretty involved a friend of mine was involved with um, setting up programs for Virginia Tech ID students, uh-huh. uh, setting up mentorships and portfolio reviews and stuff? And I was like, check out Advanced Design because I think you guys are doing what modern—you guys are a modern <laughs> design program—and
0: uh-huh. uh, yeah, so so props on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I appreciate I appreciate that. Um, the interview is supposed to be with you, man. <laughs> Uh, No, I I appreciate it, but I I think a lot of it, I think everything that we do and every designer that I've spoken to that is a first generation designer, um, the conversations are just different because everything Mm -hmm. that that you've achieved, um, anything that you're doing, I feel like we're all on a mission. I feel like we all have this very strong sense of purpose Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it ties back to family. Yes.
1: Uh, yeah. I deep the family thing is is a it's deeply rooted in there yeah. whether we see it or not, and the identity thing about being a first gen immigrant thing that, you know, we you're talking about earlier, how you know coming out of school you were looking around there weren't that many Mexican designers. I, this is a part of my journey right now too. I I'm looking around, and I'm like okay there are these household designer names that we know of Dieter Rams, Naoto Fukasawa, you know, there are like these people that are quite famous that are just known in the ID world and i'm 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 actually flipping the narrative a little bit and being like using it as fuel like there isn't there aren't that many korean designers out mm-hmm. industrial designers out there that are you know i i i have to say i know some pretty badass korean industrial designers but it's not very, very common, and for me, I'm using it as motivation to be like okay let me let me help define what that is yeah, um and I think that's on us, right We're like yeah. in a position to do that to make a name for the the first gen and all the the generation of designers that come after us,
0: yeah absolutely wow i I couldn't agree more um and I, I think that's the reason why we do what we do, why we um, yeah, I mean like earlier today i was reading on like all these awards that you know you i was saying you were awarded this you were awarded that you were recognized for this um and it's really funny because i know that deep down those 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 awards or those like getting recognition that that isn't uh, what well, why we do this I, I think i think that's just a part of our career and a part of you know mm-hmm. kind of the logistics that come with our job um but i, I think we like, if I, were, if I was going to be straight up um, with anyone, and it just so happens to be you, um, is I honestly, everything that I do, people are always talking about advanced design, this advanced design, that um, I just want to make my parents proud. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, you know, I know that they, my parents will be here for long. I know that our life is short as humans here on earth. Um, and if I, if I would have to pick, you know, a couple of people to make proud, it'd be my parents, no doubt, Mm. no one else. Um, I'm sorry, you know, for my girlfriend or anyone else, but you know, parents are like, you know, they, I think it's, I think it goes back to this appreciation of struggle and (sighs) everything that they went through. Um, and like you said, the, the, those roots are like strong in us, you know? Right. So, yeah.
1: you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. At, at the end of the day, we would not be here without them. So I, mm-hmm. we need to shout them out as much as we can, in my opinion, because
0: yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. Perfect timing this upcoming weekend when we, well, at least in the United States, we celebrate Mother's Day. So mm. um, for those who are listening, yeah, by the time you listen to this uh, interview, it'll be a couple of weeks after Mother's Day, but um. That pretty much wraps up our interview. I feel like we could have gone, could have like three, four parts of this interview where we dive into identity, dive into, oh, yeah. you know, you know, just a bunch of side things that we talked about. Um, but thank you so much for being on our, our, our platform. Um, I think uh, uh, one thing that, you know, when we invite designers, we're very particular in who we invite. Um, and a lot of that comes down to do we know them what is their story um and are they real you know because i think a lot of people especially now want to be on every they want to be a part of every event they want to be a part of every podcast and a lot of it's just like you know how much can i promote myself as a designer and that's fine but i think for us we're chasing stories and we we love to hear your experience and Kind of humanizing that because there's a lot of people out there who are yeah. in the same position that we were maybe 10 years ago or five years ago and they're looking to hear even a snippet of our conversation is going to elevate them it's going to be like that's what i needed to hear to motivate me to do x y and z so mm-hmm. yeah i hope that that it helps someone
1: oh I, yeah if it helps one person like anything we talked about if if it helps someone feel seen even right we've done our I, I feel like i've done my job so i i really appreciate you know having me on the podcast and uh it's fun yeah we could talk for hours yeah for we sure. talk
0: forever yeah. this yeah, won't yeah. be the last time uh jonathan i really appreciate your time and uh you know, we'll be talking soon for those who are listening. We will link up Jonathan's social media channels here. Please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, A couple weeks ago, like like I said, he was a part of an event with our being team and design allyship where they talked about um, imposter syndrome, a whole other topic that can take hours. I mean, we can make a whole conference called imposter syndrome. Um, But that event was recorded. It's on our YouTube. We'll make sure to link it as well. So if you missed it, Um, there's some amazing insights and content, um, full of substance, go check it out. Um, with that being said, Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. And I'm sure we'll be chatting very soon.
1: All right. Thanks Hector.
0: Always a pleasure. Always. Thank you for joining us today. Let's continue this conversation on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and discord. You can find us at Context with Advanced Design on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Context is produced by Advanced Design with editing and production by Betuel Benitez and music by Shy Day from Pixabay.